Hello, welcome. My name is Kylie Perry. I'm an NC State student with a major in middle grade social studies, and I'm here to talk to you about the Wilmington Race Riots of 1898. Today, we will dive deep into the discussion of the Wilmington Race Riots, while also focusing on the guiding question of what was the effect slash impact on African American life, economically, educationally, and politically, as a result of the violence that took place on November 10th. The term race riots means a public outbreak of violence between two racial groups, making it seem like this riot was spontaneous and spur of the moment. But in fact, it was not. Here's a little background information that you'll need to know in order to understand the content throughout the podcast. Prior to the Civil War, the city of Wilmington, North Carolina was mainly made up of free and or enslaved African Americans. Due to its location, it was an area of easy access for slave ships to come and go as they pleased. As African-American individuals continued to arrive to the city, the city ended up having more African-American people than white people, hence the rise of racial tension. The African-American population prospered and had developed what some may have considered to be a complex society. They participated in both civil and municipal government A variety of newspapers and editors like Josephus Daniels consider their success to be a form of, quote, Negro domination. One can infer that this made the Caucasian population extremely mad and uncomfortable. The Democratic Party turned to irrational passions by using propaganda to portray African-American North Carolinians in terrible ways. For example, they, quote, used sexual images of African-American men and their supposedly uncontrollable lust for white women. Every single newspaper story and speech warned the citizens of the African-American beasts and or monsters who threatened, quote, the pure flower of Southern women. The Democratic Party lied to gain support from the citizens so that, in the end, it benefited their white supremacy campaign. The racial tension and banter continued to arise. The effects of demonizing an entire race of population of people ultimately had a massive contribution to the Wilmington Massacre in 1898. After the Civil War, Wilmington was a symbol of Black hope. Majority of African Americans were free. Over half of Wilmington's residents were African Americans, and they were placed in prominent job positions as well as political offices. African Americans were employed in all segments of the workforce as professionals, skilled artisans, government employees, maritime crew members, industrial workers, laborers, and even domestics. They participated in organized unions who helped them to have a voice and advocate for their rights. There were approximately 216 black entrepreneurs, even though there were 789 white ones. African Americans benefited from a cohesive social network composed of churches, strong fraternal organizations, and other civic and benevolent groups that they belonged to. They even had back they even had bank accounts with savings in them and owned property all over Wilmington. Wilmington was seen as a place where free slaves could go and make a life for themselves. According to the article, The Ghost of 1898, Wilmington's Race Riots and the Rise of White Supremacy. Wealthy whites were willing to accept some black advancement so long as they held the reins of power. Through the Democratic Party, whites controlled the state and local governments from 1876 to 1894. 
However, the party's coalition of wealthy working class and rural whites began to unravel in the late 1880s as America plunged into depression. As the economic depression deepened, these white populists joined forces with African-American Republicans, forming an interracial fusion coalition that campaigned local self-government, free public education, and electoral reforms that would give African-American men the same voting rights as white men. In 1898, however, all of those thoughts and movements came to a sudden halt when Confederate soldiers were placed into positions of authority. Being named policemen gave them the power they needed to rule African Americans. They used this power to basically gain back their authority. The Democratic Party organized a white supremacist political campaign to overthrow the elected black government. They wanted to regain authority by any means necessary. These members would kill many African-American citizens throughout the city in order to remove the fusion party of African-American members and their white political allies. Many are still curious today as to the actual number of individuals killed because of the lack of information on the event. The one thing that is suggested, though, is that the riot was not last minute, but instead it has been meticulously planned by upper-class white businessmen to regain control of the government. According to the article, The Ghosts of 1898, Wilmington's Race Riots and the Rise of White Supremacy, the white supremacy campaign was so inflammatory that violence seemed unavoidable. On November 10, 1898, heavily armed columns of white men marched into the black neighborhoods of Wilmington. In the name of white supremacy, this well-ordered mob burned the offices of the local African-American newspapers, murdered perhaps dozens of dozens of African-American residents, and banished many successful African-American citizens and their white allies. A new social order was born in the blood and flames, and to this day we call it the Wilmington Race Riots of 1898. Following the Wilmington race riots of 1898, Wilmington African Americans were defined as being heroic falling victims to the persecution of the lowly at the hands of powerful white Democrats. The organization that overthrew took part in a documented conspiracy. The leaders, members of the Democratic white elite in Wilmington and New Hanover County, achieved their political goals through violence and intimidation. The area was left segregated resulting in a downward fall in African-American political participation. It crushed their economical, educational, and social structure as a result. The opportunity for economical gain was all but demolished and African-Americans had to close or move their businesses. They lost income and the access to capital. The number of African-Americans employed as professionals declined while the number working in lower status jobs increased. Black entrepreneurship and employment were dramatically reduced in only 162 of them. This shows that the ratio of black to white business owners was significantly affected by the riot, and in fact, the riot created a more favorable business opportunity and environment for the white population. Cultural institutions were diminished and educational opportunities decreased. African-American schools and teachers lost funding as compared to the white schools close by. In return, the literacy rates decreased among African-American students and dropped significantly lower than those of their white counterparts. 
Some evidence does show that they were still able to hold the deeds to their property, although some historians had indicated that it had been seized by white Democratic supremacists. Republican power was destroyed and the government failed Wilmington residents by not responding to the violence to help stop the political overthrow. Efforts at reconstruction for African Americans were halted and instead white dominance was instituted over the government, the economy, and the newly revised social institutions. The Wilmington Race Riot of 1898 stands as one of the most important chapters in North Carolina's history. Even though this event took place in 1898, the Wilmington Race Riot still remains a significant part of North Carolina history. Contemporary white chronicles of the event directly and indirectly blamed the African-American community for the violence and exonerated white actions as an unfortunate but necessary step towards racial and political reform. Involved in the conspiracy were men prominent in the Democratic Party, former Confederate officers, former office holders and newspaper editors locally and stationwide rallied by Josephus Daniels of the Raleigh News Observer all of whom worked together to ensure the truth would not come out. By demolishing African-American newspapers, the only history told to the public would be through the eyes of those who committed the acts. Everyone would hear and learn only what they wanted you to find out and nothing else. You can infer that the white supremacy group did not want the government or any recollection to exist after the event took place. I wondered if they were ashamed of themselves or just trying to hide the truth. Either way, the destruction of the Alexander Manley newspaper office in the morning of November 10th silenced the black press in the city for over a decade and kept the truth hidden. The incident was swept under the rug and not until recently in June of 1996 and even later in 2006 have pieces begun to be linked together and commensurate the events. The idea of this forum consisting of counsel and caress of equal race was to heal the wounds of those events and their legacies inflicted upon the community, and to also honor the memory of those who died and whose lives were disrupted by the violence. They wanted to develop and coordinate events to get the word out and recognize the injustices. Even back in 1923, there was a mob that attacked and killed six African-American men in Rosewood, Florida because of a rumor of an African man raping a white female. It wasn't until 1990 that it was finally brought to court and investigated. It's important to understand how today, when images are posted of African-American men being subdued by police officers, like the incident of George Floyd, the history of brutality wounds open back up again. The brutality against African-American men by authority ties their history and raises significant questions of hurt and anger. The foundation suggests that they should not trust white people, and especially not those in uniform due to the violence that they have been told about from past generations or learned about in school or suffered individually by themselves. The Black Lives Matter movement that exists today is because of an incident that have happened in the past and continue to happen. Today, African Americans still face social, educational, and economic disparities that create barriers. Quote, our separate and unequal lives attest to the fact, though much has changed for the better and few things have changed for the worst, but if 1898 has saddled us with its legacy, it also suggests that we might overcome it. Its central lesson is this, human beings make history so that, so the mistakes of the North Carolinians made in 1898 can be overcome if we choose.
Understanding the Wilmington race riots of 1898 has opened my eyes to a new level of violence that existed within the African-American community throughout history. And researching numerous documents, I have concluded that the act of violence was horrific and undoubtedly not properly documented for many years. The misgivings and the ability of the whites elites to push this under the rug and only report on their side of things was a great way to control the environment, and the government has never stepped in to help. African Americans have suffered at the hands of the whites, and there are long-term effects that have resulted due to incidences like this. The socioeconomical divide, along with political and educational duress, is apparent everywhere. Acknowledging the past and learning from it can begin a new phase that unfortunately will not erase the events in history, but instead start to heal the wounds that remain. Holding individuals on both sides accountable is very important, and the only way to in that inclusion will prevail.